With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. We call this a Spits and Suds preview as the Boston Bruins will take on the Dallas Stars tomorrow night. And nice enough to join us is Scott McLaughlin for the Skate Podcast from Odyssey or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. How are you, Scott? I'm good. How are you, Gavin? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, it's interesting because the Bruins, I don't want to say they were on cruise control, but doing really well. And all of a sudden, they've lost three straight in those three games. They've only scored three goals. So, and that was coming off like a big shutout win against Vancouver. What's kind of happened the last couple of days? Yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a really up and down uh stretch for the Bruins post All-Star break. And They've lost four out of five, but I would say these two most recent losses to, to Tampa and to Seattle, uh, you know, this pat this week leading up to to the Dallas game, have they they've actually played really well. They dominated long stretches of both of those games. A couple defensive mistakes that got them behind in both. So there's stuff to clean up. Their their penalty kill, which was a major strength earlier in the season has had some breakdowns recently, but most of all in those two losses, they've run into two hot goalies. Andre Vasilevsky was great against them. And Joey Decord was, was awesome on Thursday night. Um, a local kid from, from the Boston area playing in TD garden for the first time and had, you know, he's having a really good season in general, but that was uh, maybe his best outing of the year. So a little bit of bad luck there. The two losses prior to that to Calgary and Washington were total no-shows. Like those were just straight up. They didn't come to play. The effort wasn't there. The execution wasn't there. Like that was just bad hockey. So I do think they've been starting to play some better hockey. Uh, And you mentioned that, you know, there was a dominant win over Vancouver mixed in there. Uh, But right now they're, they're not getting the results. They're not seeing the puck go in the net. As far, as far as the fan base and for you who covers the Bruins, based on what happened last year, is it one of those things where the fan base is saying, okay, great regular season once again, let's see how we do in the playoffs? Yeah, that that seems to be exactly the attitude around here. Is, um, you know, I think people have been paying attention to the regular season for sure, and, and the fact that they got off to such a good start got some excitement going after uh you know such a disappointing end to last season but there is definitely a, a wait and see you know show me in the spring when it matters type of approach so in, in some ways i think that's maybe been good for them that even though they've been at or near the top of the league all season it doesn't feel like anyone's throwing the kind of cup or bust expectations on them or you know calling them like the the odds on favorites to win the cup like last year it was clear pretty early on that they were the team to beat in the NHL and they sort of carried that target around all season. And this year, even, even when they climbed back up to the top of the standings, 
it didn't really feel like that. It, it feels like the expectations are are a little lower. I do think they've gone up as the season has gone on and, and you know, people want to see what they're going to do at the trade deadline, but it's definitely not the same feel as last year. You know, I grew up in the Boston area and there were so many great names growing up. Raymond Bork, Terry O'Reilly, Cam Neely, Rick Middleton. Um, and then you look up in the rafters and you see all those great retired numbers. And you did a podcast on Wednesday where you talked about Brad Marchant playing in his 1,000th game. Where does he rank because he's such a special player? And what I love is it's kind of similar. I mean, different body types. But, Scott, do you kind of look at, like, Cam Neely's career where he started out kind of, you know, I mean, Marshawn was kind of an agitator and still is at times. But, you know, I mean, he's really turned into an elite scorer in this league. And Cam Neely kind of came to the Bruins from Vancouver as a uh, as, as a fighter and turned into, once again, an elite scorer. Yeah, the, there are some similarities there in terms of sort of recognizing um, their importance to the team and how good they are offensively. Uh, Cam Neely's talked in the past about he, – he's specifically credited Mike Milbury, who was this coach in the 80s, um, with helping him learn, like, when to fight. Because Cam Neely would go out and fight fourth liners. And I was like, well, that's not a fair trade off. Every opponent's going to be thrilled with that. So learning like when to do it and how valuable he was, you know, staying on the ice and not sitting in the penalty box for five minutes. Um, and Marchand has had to learn some of that too. Obviously everyone knows, you know, the, the kind of the extracurricular stuff that's, that's part of his resume that can't be erased. Um, that's gotten him in trouble. And he's had to learn like, yes, that's the kind of stuff that got him to the league is, being that agitator, pest, rat, whatever you want to call him. But he's much more valuable to the Bruins when he's on the ice and scoring, which, as you said, he developed into uh, someone who could do that at a very high level. I, I believe there's like a five-year stretch where I think the only p- players who had more points than him over that five years was Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So, you know, he was like up there with the best of the best. He was top five MVP votes, Um, you know, certainly a little bit past his prime now, you know, moving towards the later side of it, but still having a really strong bounce back season for the Bruins this year um, on pace for right around 40 goals, which is a mark he's never actually hit. So kind of crazy that, you know, he could do that at, at 35 years old. Um, But he's, he's having a really good season for them. And by all accounts has, has been a very good captain for this team. You know, a lot of people counted the Bruins out after that first-round exit and then losing a Patrice Bergeron, a David Krejci, and it's just like, here we go again. Um, from a star's perspective, coming into this game Monday, you know, I mean, I'm amazed at the Bruins' 1-2 combo. It's the best in the league as far as goaltending. It's it's fascinating, and, you know, I'm I'm interested to see, you know, on Monday the matchup. Yeah, and... You know, it, Jeremy, last year, obviously, Lena Solmark uh, won the Vezina, won the Triple Crown of goaltending, leading the league and wins, goals against, save percentage. And then this year, through much of the first half, both were playing really well, but Swayman had kind of pulled a little ahead. And Jeremy Swayman was the all-star this year, and he's the one who's been popping up in Vezina conversations. Now, after the all-star break, Swayman's had three, you know, came out with three 
kind of down starts, just just not really his best. Um, and it looks like if they keep the rotation going, it should line up as him in net uh, against the Stars on Monday. Um, but Linus Elmark, he was in there for the shutout against Vancouver. So uh, they, you know, they both continue to be at a high level overall. And they've got this rotation going. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they really do stick with it all the way through or or does one pull ahead down the stretch. Um, they have indicated that they're more open to uh to using a rotation in the playoffs last year they they tried to ride Linus Allmark he started the first six games of that series against Florida and obviously didn't really work out his game kind of fell off and they had to go to Swayman in game seven but they have said you know if both are playing well going towards the playoffs this year they they might try a rotation which um you know it's kind of unprecedented right a lot of teams want to settle on that starter and try to try to ride the hot hand. Yeah, absolutely. You know, another real nice surprise for this Bruins team that I wanted you to talk about because we saw him come up through the Minnesota system. Uh, I saw him in Houston play for the Arrows. Then he was with the Minnesota Wild and then came to Boston. He's from the Boston area, Charlie Coyle. And when he started with the Bruins, correct me if I'm wrong, he was a third line uh, third liner and has made his way up to, you know, the first line at times, but having a real nice season. Uh, Scott, you know, sitting here at 45 points, a plus 10 on the ice. Yeah, he's having a terrific year. And you're right. When they they traded for him uh, in 2019, leading up to that run to the cup final. And yeah, the whole idea was he's going to be the third line center. And then he really settled into that role for basically five years. He was the number three behind Bergeron and Krejci and, you know, would, would move up in a pinch if one of them had to miss time. But you know, it was really interesting because now both those guys retire and Coyle has to move up because they, they don't have the cap space to go get someone else. So you have to look internally. And, you know, I think a lot of fans had questions about, well, can he really do that? And he had he had played some top six in Minnesota earlier in his career, but he hadn't done it here. And to his credit, he has been really strong all season. Uh, they've used him centering Brad Martian and David Posternak on, you know, really a true top line recently. And, and he's fit in and like, he's put up points. He's helped those guys produce. So he has definitely found uh, another level to his game and is on pace for like a, you know, 70 plus point season, which, you know, no one's going, going to confuse that for an like elite, elite number one center, but that's really solid. I mean, that's basically the same neighborhood that, Bergeron and Krejci were in most most years. How's the confidence meter with our former coach, Jim Montgomery in Boston? I would say fairly high overall. I think along with the team in general, there's the, you know, prove it to me in the playoffs type of approach. Uh, Certainly some fans still have a bad taste from last spring. Um, Felt like Montgomery you know, maybe did a little too much tinkering with his lines, trying to kind of fit everyone in and might have panicked a little when that series started to go sideways. Uh, you know, maybe didn't switch to Swayman quick enough in goal. So there were some questions, but I, I think I think he's done a, a really solid job this season overall. Um, you know, they've had a couple hiccups, some little slides, including this one right now post-All-Star break. But for the most part, they continue to be a team that, uh, you know, a lot of guys are 
improving year to year, playing some of the best hockey of their career. Like we just talked about Coyle stepping up, Trent Fredericks having the best season of his career yeah. so far. Um, you know, and like you got to credit the coach for some of that, you know, yes, credit the players for sure, but it's also about a coach putting those guys in position to succeed and, and helping to set them up for, for success. Hard to believe my friend, we are in year of 11 since the Tyler Sagan trade from Boston to Dallas. Is it even talked about anymore? It's just so far in the distance. A little bit. It comes up from like, there'll be a little talk around it uh, with him back on Monday, but you know, certainly not as, as intense as it once was. It It is. We actually talked about it on our podcast this week a little bit because it's, you know, I don't think there's anything intentional here, but it does happen to line up that uh, Monday is when the Bruins are actually doing the pregame celebration for Marshan's 1000 oh, game. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, Sagan being in the building for that. I know him and Marshan are still yep. pretty close. They never had any sort of falling out or anything. They've remained friends. Um, so that that's pretty cool. Like, I'm sure they'll both be happy about that. And and I know Sagan's not too far off from a thousand himself. I think he'll, he'll get there, you know, sometime early next season. Yeah. Let me, uh, wow. He's at, uh, seven eighty one. Uh, where is he at? At games played nine fifty five. So you're right. Good call yeah. by you. So yeah, that'd be really cool if they celebrated it when the uh, Bruins are in town, you know, it is fascinating yeah. because as much as we love the player, Sometimes, and the Bruins are a great example of that Bergeron Marchant terrific pair that they had for so many years. And this year, with the addition of Matt Duchesne, Tyler Sagan's game has just blossomed. Where that's the number one line right now. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. But that Mason Marchment, Matt Duchesne, Tyler Sagan line—they're doing a lot of great work for these Dallas Stars. Yeah. It, it- you know, it, it's, it, it is impressive to see, I mentioned Marshan bouncing back from, by his standards, you know, a little bit of a down season last year. That was in large part because he had double hip surgery before the year. But yeah, also to see Sagan uh, picking it up again and having an uptick in his production. And, you know, as he said, like seems to have found really good chemistry on that line. Um, I've always liked Mason Marchman's game when he, when, when Florida wasn't able to keep him. I Yep. The Bruins would have had to have moved some pieces, but I thought he would have been a, a really nice target for for them. And, you know, you see him go to Dallas, and it's one of those you just look at and you're like, that's a smart signing. Like, that's that's going to work out. Yeah, the Matt Duchesne signing as well has just – it's been um, – I mean, I always liked Matt Duchesne as a player, and I'm sure you did as well, and many players like Matt Duchesne. Mm-hmm. But the Matt Duchesne I'm seeing this year, I'm like, there are parts of this game I did not see prior. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. I mean, granted, he was let go by Nashville, so, you know, a little chip on his shoulder, but at the same time, I mean, wow. I mean, both offensive and defensive zone. He's playing great hockey. Yeah, for sure. And, again, you know, he was another guy that the Bruins were linked yep. to at one point because everyone thought, hey, Bruins need center help. Here he is. And, um, you know, they obviously – again, just because of the Bruins cap situation probably couldn't make it happen or would have had to trade someone away, but they've, they've rolled with coil and, and Pavel Zaka as their top two centers and really has not been a big issue. Like, you know, they could maybe stand to upgrade it, but um, the Bruins have actually been okay down the middle. And it looks like, you know, they might 
with the prices on centers at this trade deadline, they yeah. might be looking to to add elsewhere. Yeah, Zaka's been fabulous. Okay, before we let you go, Scott, I always like these hidden gems. Is there someone in this Bruins lineup that we should keep our eye on for Monday? Ooh. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Frederick a little bit earlier, but he he really is having a career year. He's gone a little quiet here after the All-Star break. I don't think he has a point yet in these five games. But, um, you know, he plays – he's about the closest thing you get to is maybe like an old-school Bruins-type forward. Uh, he does play a power forward game. He, you know, brings physicality. Uh, he's willing to drop the gloves. He he's he's a really good skater for his size too. Like it, it you know, he's not gonna blow you away, but there's times you'll see him get the puck on his stick, and all of a sudden he gets a jump, and you're like, whoa! I you know didn't maybe didn't know he he had that speed. Um, but he's he's a good finisher, and his playmaking has really uh, gone up to another level this year. He was, you know, last year he was on a third line with Charlie Coyle and Taylor Hall, and it's like okay, you just have to be a good compliment to those guys, right? Like, they're the ones who are going to drive it. This year, he's really been the one to drive that third line, and he's stepped up and kind of taken on that responsibility. He's been able to move up in the lineup at times. So um, he's developed into a really good middle six forward for the Bruins and uh, and a guy who can be more than just a compliment but can actually, you know, drive play and, and make a difference. I'll tell you, I mean, as much as I love being in the Central – the fact that Bruins fans get to watch the Atlantic division and just look at how top-heavy impressive it is. Bruins, Panthers, Lightning, Leafs, Red Wings. Wow. I mean, that's it's a, it's a great division. And both, by the way, you know, Senators playing, you know, better hockey right now. Buffalo is up and coming. We said that last year, too. The Canadians are young. So it's it really is a great division, Scott. Yeah, and it's really come on strong, I would say, maybe the last month or two because some of those teams got off to slower starts. Tampa especially. They got off to a really slow start this year, but they've been playing much better recently. So, yeah, now it does look like, you know, a deep division that could potentially have five teams make the playoffs. Uh, You know, I think right now Detroit's the last wild card. They're fifth place in the division. Right now they're ahead of, any of the uh, any of the teams battling for fourth in, in the Metro. Well, you are a beast, my friend. Always appreciate you joining us. It's Scott McLaughlin. The Odyssey podcast is called The Skate Podcast, so you need to check that out. It's called The Skate Podcast on Odyssey or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. The battle of two of the top teams in the NHL, and it happens on Monday. Scott, thanks so much for joining us for this preview. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Gavin. Absolutely, my friend. That's going to do it for another edition of Spits and Suds. Right after the Bruins game, we'll be on with a Spits and Suds post game right here on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great day, everyone.